Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, you might have used Fitbit in your daily exercise routines, but did you know factory machines use an equivalent of Fitbit too? In fact, we are going to talk to a company that offers Fitbit for machine services using the Internet of Things. Now, in layman terms, Oak Industries offers a scalable digital factory system comprising of hardware equipment that tracks the steps or output. And the heart rate, or the temperature and mixing speed of a machine, as well as the sleeping pattern or the idling time of an equipment. Now, data collected by the equipment will be automatically analyzed with a software to provide factory owners a broad overview of what's happening on the factory floor and if there are any problems with the factory equipment that needs to be solved. But how does this work exactly? Well, for more, let's speak to Samuel Tan, CEO and co-founder of Oak Industries. Samuel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tintin. Uh, appreciate the introduction. Great to have you on board. So, Samuel, we've briefly talked about Oak Industries uh, offering a solution that essentially works as a Fitbit for machines. But what I understand in layman terms is that you provide hardware sensors that measure the health of machines on factory floors and software solutions to make sense of the data coming out from the sensors. So, appreciate if you could tell us more about that. As well as your value proposition and business model. Right. So, we are actually a both software plus hardware company. Um, and why we do that? Because the hardware is actually a very important uh, enabler, right? Without the hardware that connects all the way to the edge of, let's say, a machine, right, uh, a sensor, right, uh, you do not really have a lot of data, and that's where a lot of company gets stuck. Uh, but however, at the same time, if you can collect a lot of data, a lot of uh, parameters uh, from machines, if you do not have a powerful software that makes sense out of it uh, to find the bottleneck to measure the best repeatable baseline. Uh, and then from there, uh, identify the opportunity for improvement. Uh, then all this data actually go to waste, right? So we actually pick the best of both worlds and put them together in our industry. And I know your solutions, uh, Samuel, can be deployed within a matter of days and are set to achieve up to ten to thirty percent gain in productivity or efficiency for clients. How does that compare with the solutions provided by other IoT system providers? Who would you then consider as your competitors? What is your positioning? Some of our competitors include uh, big uh, multinationals like Siemens, Schneider, uh, PTC, Thingworks, uh, Avantech, etc., and also a few smaller players like Machine Matrix, Evocon, right? Um, and and I think the key difference actually. Um, is the way that the philosophy and the principle and the approach that we take, right? A lot of traditional conventional way of uh, digitalization actually involve uh, doing a site survey, you know, deep analysis, uh, scoping, uh, come out with a gun chart uh, for next six months, 12 months, write out every specification and collecting requirements from users, etc., and put it into a development pipeline. Right? So we believe that is actually... Uh, a very old way that is not necessarily the best for the digital world, right? In fact, one of the key terms that you might have heard uh, in the digital software world is agile, right? So we do that differently in the sense that we put the uh, enablers, the tools, into the hands of our users, um, and users almost like a Lego block can build it modularly um, into a, something that is suitable for the enterprise, right? What we have found out is that the people get much more creative, much more imaginative. Uh, compared to a big company coming in and, and doing a consulting work. And, and in that sense, we also much more higher sense of uh, ownership 
And and because of that, the success rate uh, increased dramatically. Let's talk a little bit more about your customers, Samuel. Very interesting here because Oak Industry serves a wide range of customers, ranging from a small Nonia confectionery shop in Budok to large Fortune 500 companies, the likes of General Electric and the McKinsey as well. I believe you also secured a project to roll out your solution for a Johnson & Johnson mouthwash production line in Thailand. So what is it about Oak Industries that allows you to serve such a wide range of customers? So I, I think the key thing, probably uh, there's a short story to this that I hear from uh, uh, Indonesian uh, Tauke, right, a business owner. He said, uh, why would my factory owner that doesn't earn a lot of money, why would he spend so much uh, to buy an iPhone from Apple? Right, so that kind of stuck with me. I, I, I thought, well, yeah, it's just to show off, right, because it's, it's a top of the line, it's, it's branded. Uh, but he said this goes something a little bit more, right, a, a bit deeper. Uh, and he shared that when, when the operator look at the business owner, the millionaire, the billionaires, right, the big house and the cars they, they have, uh, he probably never have a chance. But the same phone that Elon Musk is using, he also have one, which got us thinking, hey, yeah, that's right. Why, why would a billionaire use the same phone as, as someone at the front line in Jakarta, right? Um, and that made us realize the true power of technology as an equalizer. It levels the playing field, right? Really, um, and and if you have built a good product like iPhone had, um, then it really levels the playing field because then uh, the top end users like McKinsey, like General Electric, uh, we even serve a rifle making company in in US, um, can also use the same thing as someone uh, making Sun Kueh in Bedok, right? And and actually that is part of our mission actually, uh, to make it accessible to all kinds of companies. Mm. What would you say, which part of your proposition allows you to serve such a wide range of customers? Uh, right, good question. I, I think um, part of the, the reason why we can serve such a wide range is a little bit like uh, the Newton's law, right? Um, Newton has this three famous law of motion that applies to everything from aircraft uh, to rockets to cars, right? In, in many ways, the same three modes of data that we talk about, uh, it might sound simple, the, the steps, the heart rate and sleeping pattern, uh, sounds simple, right? But if you think deeper, it really applies to all kinds of data. Because if you're talking about productivity, if you're talking about you, if you're talking about steps, uh, then that is the right mode. Right? If you're talking about spectrum, something that uh, relates to a range, uh, that is the heart rate. And if you're talking about a state, a Boolean state, right, uh, on, off, open or close, that refers uh, to the slipping pattern. Right? And, and it might sound simple, but by having three simple modes that people can understand, uh, they are able to combine different kinds of uh, parameters, different kind of uh, logic uh, together, build something that's much more powerful. They can identify what is the best uh, potential of this equipment. Right? So that is a, a, a very critical building block. Um, and more importantly, it's put into the hands of users rather than consultants or advisors. Despite your wide range of consumers, and I'm just guessing here, just making a guess that there might be a specific target group that contributes the most to your financials, MNCs or companies from a particular sector. What do you have to say to that? I would say in particular, I think we apply best uh, to companies that focus on equipment. right? Uh, so there are probably three key ingredients for any kind of operations in manufacturing. Um, the three M's are the man, manpower, uh, M for machine, and the last one, M for material, right? And these are the key uh, ingredients to every operation, right? So, so, but of course, depending on what kind of operation, some are focused on manpower, uh, labor-intensive, like uh, 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 tailors uh, using hundreds of sewing machines. That's very human-intensive. Um, but if there's also a group of industry that's focused around machines, 
right? Uh, things that are more automated. Uh, it can be very high end. It can be fast moving consumer goods. So FMCG is actually one of our biggest market. Uh, it can also be high end like automotive or aviation. Uh, but what is key is, is, hu uh, is hum less human dependent and more uh, machine critical. Right? And the last group, uh, material focus. Um, unfortunately, we are not so focused on material because there's a whole suite of solutions out there uh, that manage material tracking, uh, warehouse management, RFID, etc. Uh, so, so that's not exactly the market we will serve so much. And let's take a look at the wider business environment, Samuel. I understand that uh, Auckland Industries saw a sharp increase in demand for its solutions when factory workers had to monitor machines and factory activities from home during the pandemic. Question is, uh, three years down the road, is demand still elevated right now? And if so, any gauge as to uh, how much of an increment we are looking at compared to pre-pandemic days? So a lot of factories still need people to run it. Um, in fact, I think there are companies that try to mechanize it to try to bring in robots. Uh, and there's even a concept called lights out factory, but it's still, I think, uh, quite a long way to go, uh, both in terms of technology as well, economic, as, as sometimes even political, right, uh, with job employment rate. Um, but what we did see increase is because um, uh, the uh, ability to travel is much restricted. Uh, the ability for, for engineers to visit on site uh, across different plants are tougher. Uh, so I think that helped a, a lot. Uh, but really, I think this, this digitalization actually goes beyond the pandemic. Right? It is actually, um, so, so maybe a bit of a joke is, is, is uh, VCs has actually asked us before, are you a painkiller or are you a vitamin? Right? So, so actually, there's advantage to each. Painkiller, of course, is much more needed and uh, immediate. Uh, vitamin, a little bit of enhancer. Uh, but probably we are more like the steroids right? in the sense that uh, it's uh, good to have uh, but in, increase your competitive edge, right? And why is that critical in, in today's world? Is, is in good times, uh, it's extremely important to, to increase your market share quickly. Uh, and, and by doing the productivity gains, you can help to do that. Uh, but also in bad times, which I think we are seeing a little bit of that with the, the climate, with the economics, uh, it's also very important to reduce the cost. Right? The cost by improving your productivity, you can reduce your operating costs. So, so that's actually a lot of what our customers are focused on right now. You are saying that beyond that pandemic and that need for remote monitoring here and there, it also has to do with keeping costs down as we sort of enter the, this period of a little bit like a post-pandemic recovery where people are trying to recoup their losses. Yes, that's right, that's right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Samuel Tan, CEO and co-founder of Oct Industries. And further ahead, Samuel, Allied Market Research valued the global remote monitoring and control market size at some $25.8 billion US dollars in 2021. The market projected to reach $43.6 billion US dollars by 2031. And we're talking about a CAGR of 5.3% during the forecast period of 2022 to 2031. Do do you agree with this assessment though? Valuing this market is particularly tough, I would say. Uh, there have been very aggressive mark, uh, market estimation and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but in general, I think uh, we very much believe that the CAGA will be about 5%, if not more, up to 10%. Right? Uh, why estimation of the market is very tough, however, is because of uh, the boundary of uh, IoT, the boundary of smart things, uh, controls, monitoring. Right? So it's, it's pretty gray in the sense... Um, to be honest, a lot of these solutions are not even uh, completely new. There, there are a lot of solutions that are already existing, right? Uh, SCADA, for example, supervisory control uh, and data acquisition system. 
uh, brains of brains in machine. They are, they are, they've been used in, in refinery plants for decades, right? Uh, to control machines remotely, right? Uh, but what is really uh, interesting, actually, however, is, is to see the blend of both the hardware technology as well as the software technology, right? Uh, what we have today is is very powerful suite of connectivities of uh, wireless systems of even 5G sometimes or mesh, uh, low-power mesh like LoRa, MBIoT, etc., um, and combined with very powerful computing, right? So the powerful computers are, are extremely critical too uh, because just acquiring data by itself is not meaningful, right? To be able to process it efficiently. Right? And the keyword is efficient because we are talking about magnitude uh, of much more powerful uh, data in very high resolution. Like, for example, we are looking at every one second picking up 10,000 data points just from one sensor and across thousands of sensors, right? So this combination actually makes it much more interesting, right? Uh, but where to draw the line, unfortunately, is a little bit unclear. Um, but market is definitely growing. Speaking of growth, let's take a look at your geographical expansion, Samuel. Auk Industries is headquartered in Singapore, but your customers are dotted all across the globe, including in Japan, the Middle East, New Zealand. You talked about US as well. So what is your grand plan in terms of expansion? So I, I think when we first start, I think very naturally we start in Singapore as a testbed, as a pilot. Uh, but of course, because of the limits of the geography and, and the size, Right, we have to go beyond Singapore, right? Uh, in fact, I think that's why I think from the very start we are very determined to be a product company, right? So we we've talked to investors and one of the best advice, Sam, try to build all industry into a product company, and not a service company. Uh, both can be profitable. Don't get me wrong, uh, but product is much more easier to export to the whole world, right? And and naturally, I think uh, the first step we take is of course regionally, right? In Southeast Asia, we have office in Jakarta. And, in Malaysia, KL, in, in Thailand, in Bangkok. Um, but also, what is really exciting is I just came back from Beijing uh, uh, last week, right? Uh, where we have a cooperation with Tsinghua University, one of the top end, um, to, to build uh, a demo into their, their education, into their showcase, into their industry cooperation uh, lab. Uh, and it went very successfully. Uh, and at the same time, next week, I will actually be in US uh, for a trade show in Vegas, where we will meet some of the industrial uh, leaders. Uh, to look at how we can build a market over there, right? So, so I think, um, broadly speaking, I think uh, Singapore is one of the uh, best positioned uh, to be able to navigate this very complex uh, geopolitical uh, uh, situation currently. And I think we are, we are quite fortunate to be able to enter still into the biggest country of the world. Mm. And before we let you go, Samuel, what are some future plans for Orc Industries? What can we expect for the rest of this year as far as Singapore is concerned? Well, I, I think the biggest bottleneck, right? In, in manufacturing, we talk a lot about bottlenecks. Right? We are super sharp and sensitive to it. And, and the biggest bottleneck for uh, digitalization and Industry 4.0, uh, we identify is not really about the technology, if you ask me. Right. I think if you if you read some of the literature out there, uh, the top three uh, criteria for success is actually the business needs, uh, value fit. Right. So that's number one. Uh, number two is the technology. Of course, that is important, and and we do our best to build a scalable technology. Uh, but number three, which is actually the toughest, actually, is the organization readiness. Right. Uh, so what we are doing in our industries is quite radical. Actually, what we are building in the next milestone is to influence the organization. Right, we believe technology is not about the machine, about, not about the electrical signal, but the behavior of the users that are using it. And how can we shape it in such a way that helps the company uh, grow as a whole entire organization? 
Right, so, so that's actually a very exciting thing. Um, and, and I think we are working all very hard together to make sure we can shape the future uh, and build the workforce of the future. All right, exciting days indeed. Thanks a lot, Samuel. That was Samuel Tan, CEO and co-founder of Oak Industries. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.